listening to Belt of Truth, conversations arming laity, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement. Visit our website at armingmen.com. This is Father Mark Gertner of the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. I'm so happy to be here and to support the Belt of Truth podcast. I hope that this podcast always serves as a strengthening of faith for all who listen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to open our ears, our minds, our hearts for all the gifts that you wish to give us in this time set aside to learn from you, to be reminded that we exist entirely for the praise of your glory. Bless all who will listen to this podcast, those who will share it and invite other people into it, that you might be praised as you deserve. We ask this in your holy name, Jesus the Lord. Amen. Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Belt of Truth. I'm Rob Gregory. I'm here with a friend of mine, Mr. Matt Crummy. How you doing, Matt? Hey, doing well. Awesome. Well, my wife and I, a few nights ago, went to a dinner that your organization put together for the the Chesterton Academy, and it was an introductory evening where had some adverbs, some socialization, and we got a chance to learn more about the vision of Chesterton Academy. And I'll tell you right now, dude, I was inspired, like literally goosebumps and my my mouth was open and I was like, whoa, like this is real. So for our listeners, let's let's start at the beginning. Talk about what a Chesterton Academy is. Okay, great. Yeah. So the Chesterton Academy uh, was started in 2008 by a man named Dale Alquist, who's kind of the heart of Chesterton fandom in the United States. He wanted a place where he could educate his children in the classical tradition, and in a way that's faithful to the Catholic Church. And he couldn't find that in the uh, Twin Cities, Minneapolis-St. Paul. He got together a couple of his friends, and he started a school. And several years later, as that school became more and more successful, people kept asking him, hey, you know, can you start a school here? Can you start a school here? And his answer was no, but you can. And so in 2013, they started the Chesterton Academy Network. And what this network does, it enables Catholic communities to be able to start a classical school in the Catholic tradition in their hometown. It gives them the tools they need to succeed and gives them the curriculum and helps them through every step of the process. What is classical education? So first and foremost, classical education really focuses on the person, the humanity of each of the students. We focus on how to learn. And the way we do that is we wrestle with challenging texts in class, you know, texts like Dante or the Iliad. But when we wrestle with those, we wrestle with them in community. Our students are in U-shaped tables, and they're interacting with that text. They're reading it in class. They're talking with their professor or with their teacher uh, who's guiding them and guiding that discussion, the Socratic method, so that as they work through some of those difficult texts, they learn how to work through difficult texts. They gain that experience. We know that when we gain experience, and that's good experience, that that can help build virtue. The other one is we focus on how to think, right? The question is, is what ought I to do? In Jurassic Park, there was this character, the crazy philosopher guy. And as everyone's like gathered around this table about what they're doing with all these dinosaurs, he says, you keep saying, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. But have you ever asked the question, should we do this? And what he's saying there is that the modern view and the scientific view can ask the question, can we do it? But it can never ask the question, should we do it? And that's where the great texts, the canon of the Western civilization, those come in, right? As we see the lives of the people in the stories and we read the great texts, we become formed. Like we can ask the question, should we do something by reading those great stories? So it sounds like there's a, there's a hyper focus on formation of the individual in the classical education system that I get 
walk me through as a parent how that would how that would differ in the school system I would send my kid to today. For example, maybe there's some illusion that that means, oh, you're not putting any focus on reading, writing, and arithmetic, right? Or what Mm -hmm. have you. I mean, how do these two things gel together? Yeah, they gel together in the sense that uh, Chesterton will have math. They will have science. Uh, We love those subjects. Uh, It's very important to explore and understand the world that God has created. But it's also important to understand that there's more to life than those things. And so we focus um, on the liberal arts, uh, literature, history, philosophy, theology, and languages. And we even do debate. Uh, the idea being that these are human activities that enrich our souls. While we do have calculus, like we go from basic math, uh, we start with Euclidean geometry, and we go all the way up to calculus. So you'll get the same math that you would in any other school. It's really an addition, an addition of the humane aspects of education, the whole person formation. When we study history and we study Catholic philosophy and Catholic theology, those are integrated into a single form. So the first year is ancients. So the first year, our literature is based on ancient authors. Our theology is based on the Old Testament. Our philosophers are pre-Christ. So you've got you know Plato, uh, Aristotle, and those guys. What we do is that works together. That works together to form a cohesive worldview of how the world was before Christ. In the sophomore, junior, senior years, we kind of move on to later periods in time. But we kind of have that focus where we do all of our liberal arts together and on the same time period. So all the subjects are, are intertwined with a with a theme or a message, like you said, in terms of a, a period of understanding. And, and I want to go back and, and clarify that the Chesterton Academy that you're speaking of right now is focused on basically a high school age group, right? Yeah. That's uh, it's important. So we, uh, the Chesterton of Saint Scholastica, Chesterton of Saint Scholastica, is the uh, the school that we're starting, and it is ninth through twelfth. So it is just high school students. And your intent at this point is to open that school in the fall of twenty four, correct? Right, fall of twenty twenty four will be our opening thing. So that's one year from now, right? And the people that are involved with this thus far, to me, are incredible human beings, very deeply devoted Catholics that are on this board. That's frankly why I came to the informational night, because I was like, oh, wait, that person's involved? Oh, that person's person's involved? Because these people are are legit people walking the faith every day. And then I was like, well, what's so interesting about this? Why do they want to send their kids to that school? And that night, we were told the vision of Chesterton as as a whole, as as the Academy um, network, and then the St. Scholastica vision, man, those two things, like I said, were so inspiring, especially in a world today where our kids are hearing quite the opposite. There, there's obviously in this, in this academy you're going to start, there's a heavy focus on the Catholic tradition, correct? So how walk, yeah. us, walk us through that, because there are Catholic schools in our area today. How does this going to look different to, to someone, a parent, sending their kid to this Chesterton Academy versus this Catholic school? First one is that we're classical, right? And there's a difference there. So the modern view of man, of of the human person, the modern view of education is that man is a blank slate or an empty jar. And we can write on whatever we want, right? We can put in whatever we want to put in to that jar or write on that slate. And that forms them in a certain way that we want. So we put the inputs in and we can get the outputs that we want. Modern education is kind of built on top of that. And we kind of see how the world is dissected and broken apart to try to investigate it through that scientific method. And we also see how 
that affects how we educate our students. The result is, is that we're kind of always experimenting by putting in new things, right? What are we going to put in and try out this time? And the consequence of that is a lot of students today are being educated by a philosophy that's younger than they are, right? That these are not time-tested methodologies. Classical education is not new. It's very, very old. Up until the last 200 years, this is how our great leaders of our civilization were educated. And that view is, the unique view of classical education is that man is ordered to the true and the good and the beautiful. Our job as educators, and parents are the primary educators of their children, is that we set a feast before them of the true, the good, and the beautiful. We let them see the best of what this world has to offer, and that feeds their soul. Right? That's, that is allowing them to connect with what's going on in this world. And we know that the source of the true, the good, and the beautiful is God. As students become more human through the cultivation of their soul and the formation of them as a whole person, uh, they become more ordered to God. And that is makes them more virtuous, more wise, and more holy. When it comes to the requirements of a state to get you know credentialed or you know, to receive a diploma, I mean, I'm just going to assume that all of that has been thought through. It's the boxes are checked. And as a parent, I know if I send my kid to the Chesterton Academy, not only are they going to receive this great level of formation, much deeper than what we currently see in our school systems, but they're also going to receive a good education. So yeah, there's a situation. Indiana is a great state to have a Chesterton in because the state has accreditation processes. But one of the things that we don't want to do is we don't want to be required to participate in modern educational practices in order to educate our students. And so Indiana has a lot of freedom and independence for parents. Uh, we, we're, we've been homeschooling. We've been forming our children in classical education for 10 years. This idea that homeschoolers are now very much in demand by colleges. Uh, homeschoolers have been recognized as high performing. They have a bigger picture. And Chesterton follows in that same path. So much so that Franciscan University in Steubenville has recognized that the Chesterton Academy graduates are advanced in their humanities and is offering a dual credit program for graduates of Chesterton Academies to 12 hours on their tra- their college transcript. And that's a Franciscan transcript. So that could transfer to any school that accepts credits from Franciscan University. Wow, that's outstanding. So you guys have been putting a lot of blood and sweat and tears into this in terms of just you know grinding to, to get this developed in our market sounds like you're really close to launching this thing in fall of 24. What are some of the struggles that you're facing right now in terms of going from where you're at to open in fall of 24? Yeah. So some of our big milestones. So right now we're in the process of fundraising and we're funding our year zero, which is the year all the time before the school starts. We need that funding for a location and to hire a headmaster. Uh, That's the big plan for this year are those two things. And then once we have a location, have a headmaster, uh, we're going to start the enrollment process of identifying people who are interested in a classical education and the Catholic tradition in Fort Wayne. All throughout this, we are trying to grow our community. To have a, a school like this be successful, it has to be done in community. I would love for Uh, religious, for business leaders, for students, for parents, uh, parents of young children, to be able to join us in making the school successful. Yeah. I mean, your informational night, there were plenty of priests there, several sisters. Um, So there, it kind of was eye-opening to me that there was that much ground level support already. 
from some of the local clergy. I thought that was outstanding. Another thing I was struck by was at that informational night, we were told that you guys had visited other Chesterton schools, or at least one. There are many across the country. And so one as, as recently as, as Chicago, you guys visited, and it was striking to me how, you know, it was described that, hey, they had a mass and the kids were exceptionally reverent during the mass at school, fully embraced everything, didn't really have to be told, you know, what to do or to calm down. These kids were lockstep. And then when it came time for communion, the young men stood up, they stepped aside, they let the, the young ladies go first. Just something that simple speaks to the fact that you're forming human beings more than you're worried about A plus B equals C, correct? Yeah, that's right. And that's the consequence of formation over what we traditionally call education, is that we're focusing on these students becoming someone now. Becoming young men and women of virtue and wisdom now. We're not just preparing them for some future event in their life. We're not preparing them for college. We are, in a sense, obviously forming them as preparing them for college. But a lot of uh, the educational practices tend to be forward-looking. We say, like, oh, well, you need to go to high school so you can get into a good college. You need to go to college so you can get a good job. In, our, in the Chesterton practice, and what we see when we visit other Chestertons, is that these students are mature they understand their faith. They have daily mass. That's a requirement for Chesterton. We'll have daily mass. Every day our students will have access to the sacraments. It's no surprise that they come to crave and love those things, the good things that are set before them. They will want. The students also participate in choir. Every student participates in theater. The fine arts are also emphasized for every student. And so the other thing that we can see when we see other Chesterton locations is that the choir is the Chesterton choir. They're, they're doing the scola. They're doing the chants. They're cantering. Uh, they're serving the mass. And they greatly desire the sacraments. So intertwined into this, like you said, is daily mass, not, not an option. That's not that's an a option. requirement. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I think that's it's raising the bar. You know, I, it's, it, you know, we've lowered the bar, sadly, today yeah. in our society. You're, you're raising the bar. Why don't you talk a little bit about G.K. Chesterton? Who is this dude and why, why was he so influential <laughs> in creating this network? I have sad news that G.K. Chesterton is, is no longer with us. He was alive in the late 1800s, early 1900s. He's in a unique time period when modernism is really starting to take hold of our institutions. And he was a fierce critic of modernism. And his works were really trying to bring us back into you know the classical view of man, the classical roles that people play in society. But he had a great sense of humor. He argued vociferously with his enemies, but he loved them. Bertrand Russell is the kind of guy, he's just a dyed-in-the-wool, three-and-three modernist. Uh, he and G.K. Chesterton argued all the time. When G.K. Chesterton passed away, Bertrand Russell came over and, and, uh, and talked to his wife. And um, they were just great, great friends, even though they were opposed to each other. As a model, G.K. Chesterton represents the ability to interact, to dialogue, to debate hard issues without making it personal, without disliking the person, right? So his legacy is great. He wrote so many books. And I think maybe your listeners will probably be more familiar with uh, someone named C.S. Lewis, who comes after Chesterton, but actually converts from sort of an agnosticism into Christianity because of Chesterton's works in part, also because of influence by you know, other famous Catholics like J.R.R. Tolkien. C.S. Lewis kind of carries on some of that activity, but really that comes from the source of that, that first 
drive into modernism is from G.K. Chesterton. I love the story Father Dan's told us in a recent homily where he talks about there was an essay writing contest and uh, G.K. Chesterton wrote uh, the question on the, on the essay contest was, what is wrong with the world? And, yes. and his response was, I am. I am. And that's it. And he won the contest. So it kind of gives you a feel for who this guy was and, yeah. and, and his thought process, right? Absolutely. I love Chesterton because he was very disorganized. Uh, he would telegram, telegram his wife and say, I'm on fifth and third. Where am I supposed to be? Before we had cell phones and all that. And that's my personality too. Sometimes I get lost. I lose track of things. But, uh, but through all that, his genius shines through. And that's a, that's a great testament to his wisdom. Yeah, I agree. So you're a father and a husband and you have homeschooled your children, you said for 10 years now. Yeah. Right. So you've placed value on that because you feel like missing the mark on not being the primary educator of your family. We've talked about this before in other episodes with other highly educated people that that's essential. You have to do that as a father, as the priest of your home. I commend you for doing that because that's that's a bold thing to do. So talk us through how that's been going in your home in the last 10 years. It's not easy. It's not easy. Fortunately, my wife does uh, almost all the work. But one of the blessings for me personally is just having this literature, having the great books in our home, having a library that is worth talking about, is worth sharing with others. You know, my son, Right now we have Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis sitting around, sitting out. And so, of course, I pick it up and start reading it a little bit. Yeah, I think what it's reinforced to me is that children love to learn. And one of the roles of educators is just to get out of the way and to guide good discussions. And so when I first started, the kids would read something and then they're supposed to just talk about it. And when it was my turn to like listen, if my wife wasn't available, I would ask them a bunch of questions and make sure they understood it. And she's like, no, 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 don't do that, Right. The kids read the book and it forms them, right? And when they, and when they talk back to us, when they give it back to us and, and when they're younger, it's just by telling us what the story was about. It's just their way of sharing it. Education does not have to be as intense sometimes as we put it, but I've seen this growing in our kids and I have a 15 year old. Uh, he's been homeschooled for, for 10 years and he's virtuous. You know, I mean, he's still just a 15 year old, right? Like he's got, he sleeps late and gets up late, but he's more humble than I am. And that's kind of hard as a father to have a son who's more humble than you are. So I know this works. I know this works and I'm excited about it. And I think what is exciting about the session for me is to do this in community. We've invited kids from our homeschool families and we've brought them into our home and they do, they'll read Shakespeare. They'll sit and do like a table read of Shakespeare and they love it. They, and, it's, and it's amazing. It's like, the opposite of what you think school is sometimes, but they are doing it. They're doing accents. They are having so much fun. And then they read great books together. Uh, we had a uh, family come over when we were reading the Iliad. They talked about it all the time. It's such a great book, but it's more fun to read in community. That's what really gets me excited. And I think that my children do understand the true, the good, and the beautiful. I think they are set on that path. My son values the sacraments in his life. I can't make him value the sacraments in his life, but I think that he knows that What's invisible is more true than what's visible, right? That there's something more true than, than facts. Right? There's something more beautiful than whatever catches the eye. And that's why, yeah, that's why I'm excited about Chesterton. I believe that. I see your son at mass every day. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's crazy. He's 15. He doesn't have to be there. He wants to be there. Um, like you said, it's, it's kind of hitting the reset button on what we've been programmed to think works in society. We're called to be slightly countercultural 
right now. You know, Jesus was countercultural when he came to our world. Josh, you, you've been introduced to the classical education model in Indianapolis, and you understand it, correct? Blown away. It's interesting for me, you know, growing up in public school and, in essence, born into this way of life and the way that things needed to be and to be, to have our eyes opened of the classic educational model, to have our eyes opened on the idea of homeschooling, which we're going to be doing this next year. It's amazing. It's really allowed me to reset a lot of my old ways of thinking because you're thinking like your entire life and then going into college and those types of things. It's a newer way to become educated. (laughs) And and so to to actually stop and realize that there are better ways or there are other ways. Let's start there. There's There's other ways. There's a fullness to it. There's a fullness to it. And, you know, I, I didn't grow up in classic education, but I'm just blown away with seeing how my children are receiving the idea of being able to to read and talk about things and 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 more in dialogue as opposed to just regurgitating information that we need to get an A on the next test. Yeah. We've been conditioned to think that that's important and I don't believe it is. Well, I want to underscore the fact that you guys did a brilliant job in your information night, Matt, talking about the fact that yes, you will receive a quality education. Yes, math, uh, science, all of that stuff is going to be handled at, mm-hmm. at, a, at a high level. And in fact, you're probably going to excel in those things in comparison to other students and other schools, because there's going to be a heavy focus on that in a different way. So parents need to understand that it's not like you're sending your kid to the school and you're not going to understand, you know, algebra and calculus and all that other stuff. Correct. That's right. Yeah. So we are, I'm an engineer by trade. So I have a very utilitarian background and I picked uh, computer engineering because it was the highest salary on the chart that they gave us. And I said, well, if I'm going to go to college, that's what I would do is to make the money, right? That's what it's for. But it's, it's not. <laughs> so my opinion is on this and, and people bring up technology as well. Um, and it kind of intertwines with my life is that, you know, are the kids getting enough technology? Are they getting enough useful utilitarian skills for the workplace? And the answer is, is that those skills are important, but those skills can be developed by kids who know how to learn. Um, preparing your student to be able to handle any situation coming out of high school is a much better position from the BN before they start specific job training. Job training in high school has kind of taken over. STEM has kind of taken over. I think it's even in elementary school in some places now, but it comes at cost. It comes at the cost of viewing students as if they're as if they're workers already, that they're, that this is job training, but that's not what education is, right? It's person formation. So I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, just, or give you an opportunity to speak on this. So creating this environment, this new academy, it goes without saying that as a parent, I should assume that my kid's not going to be subjected to critical race theory or any of these things outside influences that you're hearing about in school systems today that are infiltrating our children. This, this is going to be a safer environment for my kids, correct? Yeah. If, if your concern is modern views and modern techniques and experimentation in education, this is not the place where that's going to happen. You know, we are firmly dedicated to the magisterium of the Catholic church. Our teachers will be practicing Catholics, Catholics in good standing, and they will take an oath of fidelity to the magisterium of the Catholic church every year. So when we teach philosophy, yeah, there's guys named Nietzsche in there and they're kind of scary, but they will be taught through the Catholic worldview. So the answer is no, we will not be teaching things like critical race theory. One of the things that we do value is that parents are the primary educators of their children. 
parents will know what's going on. We are planning sessions for parents to engage in Socratic discussions so they can understand what's going on. We talked about building a community. The parents are absolutely crucial to being a part of that community. We will be asking parents to partner with us with some of the things that we're doing in school at home. So trying to reduce technology use, that's not necessary. Those are the things that we're inviting them in. We're inviting parents into the school and we're definitely not trying to to keep them out. And then the second aspect of that is, is that, you know, the technology we use, we use books, right? So, and they're not just textbooks, right? We're, we're reading real books that have been published. So Homer has not revised the Iliad in a very long time. <laughs> if you want to know what your kids are going to read in school, you can go buy the Iliad at the bookstore and read it. So there's a, we actually had a kid in our informational night. He dragged his dad there. He said, dad, we have to go to this. And he, uh, at the question and answer session, he said, how do you know that your textbooks aren't going to change? And I never thought of that question. This kid is onto something, right? The danger of textbooks is that they're edited and, and they get to say, they say whatever the editor gets to say, right? So they tend to say whatever the editor wants them to say. And so we avoid that, that pitfall by using just the primary source materials. We're going to read, when we do Homer, we're going to read the Iliad. We're going to read the Odyssey. And we're not going to read textbooks about them. So that's the way that we prevent the creep of culture from infiltrating our school and our education. Mm. So the goal in 24 is to start with a couple of grades that's undetermined right now, depending on need and desire, obviously staffing. So it could be as anything from, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior to maybe just freshman, sophomore. We got to start somewhere, right? Yep. We got to start somewhere. Yeah. So, um, you know, that more information to follow on that. I can tell you, my daughter's a freshman. Uh, in high school now, she's super excited about this. She desires to go to Steubenville for college to have this path forward would be exceptional for her. So our family is super excited about this. We really want this to be successful and, and really kind of happen. You're looking for a, a location and you're looking for a headmaster and you're fundraising. And we're fundraising. Yes. So the best way that, that your listeners can get involved is to go to our website and that is uh, chestertonfw.org. So, and then there you can sign up for emails to get notifications about what's going on. Some of the other things that are going on is we are going to be sending out an enrollment interest survey. So if you're on our email list and you've indicated that you're interested in enrolling a student, we'll be uh, sending out a survey to figure out where people are located in Fort Wayne, what their interests are, you know, what grades, what ages the students are so that we can make plans when we do pick a location and we do try to make decisions about how many students and what grade levels we're going to offer. Yeah. So the website again is? It's chestertonfw.org. And there's a lot of info on that. There's tons of info, tons of video. I recommend you guys watch videos. Um, we have our curriculum there. So if you have questions about what we're going to teach, it's, it's right there. You can see it. That's awesome. And give me an idea of about how many students that you are going to expect to be into this uh, academy, maybe year one, year two, year three? Yeah. So right now, just for the sake of planning, you know, we have to think about space and staffing. Our, our target is to get 15 students and probably that would be two sections, freshman and sophomore. If we have more students, then we can start to reconfigure. But ultimately, these schools don't grow huge. Like we have, we visited the Chester of the Holy Family outside of Chicago and they ended up with about 40 kids per class. So that's like 160 total because we need class sizes to stay small in order for the Socratic seminar style to be productive. We'll start out with 15 or however many come and we'll start there and we'll keep growing. And as the student sections get up, 
you know, to a certain amount, we'll create a new section. So we'll have two freshman classes. So we expect to be growing over the next 10 years um, and adding enrollments every year. And your board of directors is is pretty uh, stacked with some really solid people. Like I said before, is there room for growth there? Can people get involved with some of the leadership? Yeah. So we have opportunities for growth in those areas over the next couple of years. Um, right now we have a great board of directors. We have Justin Aquila has been classically homeschooled his life uh, and his development. And Molly, my wife, has been homeschooling in a classical tradition for a long time. So then we have me. I'm just a guy who writes software for a living and reads good books. <laughs> and then Monica Aquila, great, great personality. She gave a, a really awesome talk about Chesterton at the event. Uh, we have the Lapsleys, uh, Tommy and Pam. And we have Bob Settlemeyer and we have Jordan Bauer. So we have a pretty big board now. We're, it's a pretty solid board. A lot of heavy hitters in there. My wife, I would say, is probably the heaviest hitter, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities to get involved. You know, primarily right now, the big the big move is fundraising. So we have a hundred thousand dollar target to to start our year zero, and that gets us rolling. Uh, gets us a headmaster, and it gets us our location for the first couple months and our expenses paid to start launching year one. And so that's a $100,000 goal. The board has come together and throughout the board, we've raised $50,000 for the year one goal. I'm sorry, for the year zero goal. So $50,000 to $100,000. So we're taking this really seriously and we're fully committed. And so we are looking for people in the community who want a classical Catholic school who can impact, which will graduate students who can impact Fort Wayne for generations to come. Yeah, I love that. I mean, when you guys said that at the information night that the board has come together and, and already pitched in their own money to achieve half of their year zero goal kind of got me interested because I'm like, well, you guys are stepping in and putting your own money here. I, I think this is just necessary today to give parents and families an alternative if they really care about forming the, their individual and their people and their children more than they care about the SAT score or the honor roll, um, then we can win back this culture and humanity that we're slowly slipping away from us. I, I commend you, Matt. I think this is outstanding. Uh, you have our interest as a family. My daughter is seriously interested in this. And I definitely want to try to support this as best I can. I think there's a need for this. And again, I, what I love about this is not once did you say anything bad about the current education system. Not once did you say anything bad about current schools. You're just creating a different opportunity for those that are interested. I think that's important. We have to work together. Yeah. You know, I, do, I don't like modernism. <laughs> I don't love technology, which is funny with my career. But but yeah, I mean, I think that I think that education of children is hard. I'm a parent and and I have six children and they all have different needs. You know, I used to be more confident in uh, parenting, but I realize now that that it's a lot more dynamic than I thought it was going to be. So, yeah, we love our we love the church. Uh, everyone on the board loves the Catholic Church. Uh, we love our parishes. We love our pastors. Really, we just see a different way to educate our children that is in line with the greatness uh, that the Western tradition has brought us. One of the greatest things the Western tradition has brought us is the Catholic church. So for me, those are time, those are intertwined. Um, I became Catholic because I wanted the fullness of the faith and we want to do classical education because we want the fullness of, of the human experience for our children. Mm. Final question for you, Matt, as it relates to the Chesterton Academy in Fort Wayne, Indiana, are you hopeful? I am more than hopeful. I am joyous. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this city is a great city. 
It's a great city to start ministries in. I think the Catholics here are amazing. It blows my mind when uh, I look around and see the things that that we're doing here in Fort Wayne for the Catholic Church as a part of our Catholic faith. And I think that this is an education that's not necessarily for every student, but I think that there's definitely people who can see the value of classical education and, and know that it's right for their children. That's the parents' call. I am hopeful because I know that God is faithful, that God is working. And so even though we have failures, even though uh, the board's not we're not perfect, we don't know what we're doing every step of the way, uh, we've got great guidance from the from the network. I think this is true. I think it's good. I think classical education is a great way to get our minds and our lives out of modern society and really to pursue the fullness of our Catholic faith. Well, Matt, I, I, I thank you for coming here and sharing this vision with us. And, and as a as a father and a husband taking his role deadly seriously as the priest of your home, your commitment level to your family many years ago, it's inspirational to me, man. I, I really appreciate you being here. I really appreciate your work. And I'm super excited to see where this goes. Thanks. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. You've been listening to Belt of Truth, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement, located in Fort Wayne, South Bend Diocese in Fort Wayne, Indiana. For more information about Belt of Truth and Armor of God, visit armingmen.com.